you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This is episode 346. This week, Barbara talks about changing her firearm. She has a Walter PPQMR. Ron George, delicate Ron George from Annapolis, Maryland, is running for governor. We got a follow-up interview with him. Because it's Halloween, I got a scary story for you. That's true. And commentary about a crossbow from Herschel Stroud of DCCoverSense.com. I got a chance to be at a cool crash and bang kind of place down in Shacklefords, Virginia. We'll talk about that too. I am so glad you're here. Welcome. This is the Pro-Gun Variety Show for the cool people in the gun community. My name is Reverend Ken Blanchard, and I talk to and about newsmakers, producers, and things that matter to you. I know what you're going through. I'm your friend and brother from another mother, known around the world as the black man with a gun. And this is what cool sounds like. Welcome to the Black Man with a Gun Show. Pause with me now as John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hey, if you're going crazy, you should have been there by now. What a week, what a week, huh? Hey, I was looking back over my stats for this thing and uh, got 304,000 people in the Maryland, D.C. and Virginia area that downloaded this show. That's kind of cool. Second on the list is Los Angeles with 20K, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. You guys are in the mix. Seattle and Phoenix. Thanks for checking in with a brother. Philly, man, y'all doing all right. And Atlanta and Houston and Salt Lake City was the bottom with 10,000 downloads. And just not just the U.S. either. Big shout out to uh, folks in Canada up north. Thank you. Merci. China, I don't know what you're getting out of this show. I'm hoping you're not learning your English from a brother like me. But if so, shishini. Hey, and all you folks in Germany, Dankeschön. And then, a place I've never been yet, but got some fantastic people. India. Hanyavat. I'm your friend and brother from another mother, Ken Blanchard, and this is where all the cool people hang out once a week for a little less than an hour to talk about life, guns, freedom, fun, family, and stuff that matters. I appreciate you being here. I did a little drive, and this week went down south, three-hour drive from the D.C. area to a place called Shackle Fords, Virginia, and I attended the first Tactical Operators Day at the G4S International Training, Inc., or ITI. It's one of those really nice places that the government can send you to learn stuff about counterterrorism operations, driving, and advanced firearm skills. And I hadn't been in one of those environments in a long time, and it felt kind of good. The place has two driving courses, both off and on road, three firearms ranges, and a ballistic shoot house like nobody's business, four classrooms, and plenty of places you can get the stuff knocked out of you under adult supervision. 
This plane was pretty cool. Um, there was a few vendors there. TSSI was the co-host this year. Got a chance to meet Don Wright, and we hit it off pretty good. Soon we became a fan of master instructors Tim Peck and Brandon Wright. And I hope Brandon will take me under his wing and actually get me back up to speed again. That dude is a serious shooter and a heck of a technical driver. I did some nice video in his car, and um, now the hard part is the editing. I'm still on the curb on that one, trying to learn how to do it. But you'll see a nice vehicle in motion video um, that'll probably make you lose your popcorn. Met some cool people at this thing. It was like a networking event outside, showing all the wares uh, for law enforcement and military types. Had a couple, uh, couple three guys from SEAL Team 8 there. And uh, man, them big watches always give you guys away. Got to learn to be more incognito. Got a chance to meet a veteran journalist, Christian Lowe, and uh, he shared some insight with me about freelance writing that pretty much helped me out. Then I met another brother, owner of Barnes Precision Machine Company, and that dude is real cool. And we talked about life and business and real stuff. I'm really glad folks slept on the knowledge that he was over there because I stayed over there and listened to him talk for a good little bit. And, uh, now we like related. I think it's prior special forces and he made some serious improvements on the AR-15. He's got some rifles for your butt. If you want to go over there, check out um, BarnesPrecision.com. It's now linked on BlackManOnTheGun.com. And he showed me um, the 300 blackout cartridge he used to take down a really pretty deer. There's a photo of both the rifle and the deer on the website of blackmailthegun.com. This plane, we had, um, it was armored vehicle rescue equipment, breaching training, tactical camera stuff. I saw uh, some really cool stuff from zistos.com and some not so happy stuff that has to do with mortuary um, issues. Like there's like a massive, a war somewhere where you put the bodies. I mean, it was even a mortuaryresponse.com had a company. Never knew that stuff existed. But I think next year, if things don't go well, I might look into that, being an undertaker or something. Hey, why not? It's one of them jobs that never ends, right? I got a chance to hang out with a senior special agent from the Virginia Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. I didn't even know the ABC had a police department or law enforcement, but he said, man, they still got moonshiners over there in Franklin, Virginia. It's just like that movie. Yeah. Unreal. And I owe all this stuff to my sisters at Laura Burgess Marketing for hooking up the introductions and let me uh, make friends with these guys because I would have never got down there if it wasn't for her and Ashley. Hey, you know, this show can be found um, at uh, quite a few places now. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on uh, Spreaker.com as well as iTunes. So if you want to share this with somebody, you don't want to be tethered to your iTunes anymore and you want to do it on your Android device or your computer, try Spreaker.com. Um, look for those links on the show notes. There's links now at blackmanwithagun.com under the podcast. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, my brothers at gunrightsmagazine.com, all the family at freedomsnetwork.org, and my new group of Christians at the Unnamed Church Podcast, and BlanchardChapel.us. Next up, I want to bring in Delegate Ron George, who's becoming a good friend of mine. 
And that's like the best thing about this year. I'm really developing some good friends. I dig the fact that you guys got that it was Parliament in between the sets last time on episode 345. This time, 346, in honor of my brother, Andrew, little soul brother number one in between. Mr. Ron George, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. It's good to hear from you again. It's been a while since we first talked. It's good to hear from you. It's been a while, and that's probably my fault. I've been so busy. I've been meaning to touch base with you again. But I have to tell you, I really, really enjoyed our meeting uh, the first time around. Yeah, and the first video I actually did it, it came out good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. I think it's even sitting on our webpage. You know, they, they put a collection of those, and I think they've left that one up there for a while. Oh, nice. So, in your trek to be governor of Maryland, how's it going? It's going very well. Ken, as you know, no one knew I was going to do this. And four months ago, we decided to announce, and the media got into it, and it was, um, you know, we did our announcement on June 5th, and um, we're just skyrocketing. Uh, We're still on an upward uh, trend uh, on a scale, and I just had a poll done that shows us in first place. Um, and it looks like we're doing pretty strong. Now, I am leading with big leads in four, three out of the four regions of the state. Nice. And the other one was the one area I've barely gone to yet, and we're just about to focus there. Oh, okay. So it's going very well. Very pleased. Very pleased. How, how are the family through the, all the, the, the new stuff? My family, it's a, it's a big sacrifice, and you'd hate to ask them to go through that. Um, even my sons with my businesses, mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm still young enough. If you want to relocate, if, you know, you're upset with the state and, and you know, you can, there's a lot more money to be made yeah. when you're not paying so much in taxes. You have so much more you can put into your business. Uh, we have a lot of issues in the state that need to be fixed. It's in my heart. I want to do what's right and stay and, and fight for it. But it's your decision if you're carrying on the business where you want to go. I'm still young enough to let you get established. And they said, no, Dad. This is our home. It's always been our home. We're going to fight for it with you. And uh, and even though, you know, my business is going to make less money when I'm not there all the time, uh, they're very supportive, and, and they're they're helping tremendously and doing a good job. Uh, my wife, and, and we have two younger ones at home. We have a 14-year-old and 11-year-old, and uh, there, our other four kids are all 24 to 31, and we have four grandkids and a fifth on the way. All right. But the two younger ones at home, I was very concerned about. Mm. I mean, I still go camping and scouting with my son, sleeping on the ground, my 11-year-old and everything. You know, I'm still being a dad. Good deal. Um, But uh, it forces you to really schedule uh, very well. It's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I still tuck them in at night. Last night I was all the way out in Hagerstown, and I got home by 10 o'clock, and the two younger ones were still waiting up for me. So I could say goodnight to them. They could tell me about their day and their thoughts and, you know, First a dad, first and foremost a dad and a husband. Good stuff, That's man. Good. Yeah. Yep. I um. There's been a lot of stuff about the gun issue in Maryland. Where where do you stand on that, and what do you hope to change or do when you become governor? 
Well, I think it is a constitutional right, and isn't just a constitutional right to have one hidden in your home and, and only in your home. I have uh, been, even been on the right to carry bills as a co-sponsor, and I believe in the Second Amendment, I believe a person should be able to defend himself. We have women out there that are scared stiff. Um, women are buying bigger dogs, you know, they're trying to have protection, uh, but they're left unprotected. And I look at what's happening around this state. We have an increase in human trafficking and violence to women. I think women should have those guns. I think they should be able to protect themselves. Um, crime has gone up. Whenever you restrict firearms, the crime rate goes up because there's a group of people who do not listen to the laws. So it doesn't matter how many you pass. Um, I'm a jewelry store owner. I own two locations. I'm a target. I am a target. Every two weeks, uh, Jewelry Security Alliance uh, sends us updates of what stores were hit, cased, things were stolen, uh, shootings, whatever it was, um, within our section of the country. And uh, I have to tell you, we've had a lot of them here in Maryland. And uh, um, we've had cases, I read the stories, where these people showed up at the jeweler's home, held his wife captive, drove him to the jewelry store, he opened the safe, they shot him, they called home, and the other shooter killed the wife. And, uh, you know, this this can't, you know... <laughs> I know firsthand. Yeah, this, this um, is not charged. just politics. This is personal with you, right? This is personal. I went to deliver some very expensive pieces of jewelry and to pick up some diamonds. And, uh, you know, and I'm insured to do that or whatever. But, you know, they say I should be able to have an easier time then to get a permit to carry. But they treat you like you're a criminal. They are in your books, in your house, in your finances, into everything in the world. I have nothing to hide. But I don't. That doesn't mean I let the government look at everything. They have no right to it. They have no right to it. And uh, what you have to go through to have a permit to carry is a big headache. And uh, you know, but I, I had to deliver some pieces uh, to a place in Baltimore. Uh, they used to call it the Jeweler, Jewelers Row Building, uh, One North Howard Street. And there are some jewelers in there and watchmakers. And a friend that went to watchmaking school uh, was, still had a shop in there. And I could only go on a Friday morning. And I had to get back to, for the legislature for session. This is back in 2007, I think it was, or 2008. And um, one day I was late getting there. There was another jeweler showed up. He was shot and killed. That would have been me. That was meant for me. They watched the building for weeks. They knew the times. They knew when people came. They were waiting for me. Unfortunately, this other jeweler who never went at that time, went and they, they shot him. Mm. So... It's personal, and, um, you know, I, I know for a fact that in the 1990s, every state that issued a right to carry, the crime rate dropped 30% on average. And it wasn't long after that Bill Clinton took credit for the drop in crime around the country. But um, you what, know, do you, what do you hope happens um, once you become in office? What could you do from your level? Well... I think what we do is we begin to break down other pieces, piece by piece. If I can't pass all at once, there are pieces you can do. Um, shorten the time uh, to be able to get a gun and obtain a gun. Uh, shorten things. I don't see why we need to be doing the fingerprinting and treating people like criminals. You only know, like fingerprint if there's a reason to fingerprint. They've done something wrong or, or been arrested, and, and it's like you're being arrested. You know. Um, you know, get rid of those things. I would like to get rid of everything that the governor just passed, 
if I'm able to do that, you know, I'll do it. But I'll do my best to uh, bring our protect our rights and, and to uh, get it back the way it's supposed to be. And hopefully the voters do their part to help restore that right. I hope everyone who believes like I do fights hard this election. There's no room for apathy this time around. You've seen what's happened in this state. There's no room for apathy. Get involved. Give me the power to change those laws. Now, the governor of the state controls the purse strings. No other state does the governor have that power, but in the state he does. And that's how they made these close votes turn their way. I mean, if we had six or seven votes differently, you know, that 12-vote difference on this bill would have been come out differently. And the governor twisted arms. He withheld money from local jurisdictions and things. Okay, well, you know, if it comes to be a close vote, I want everyone to know I'm going to play that part too. Uh, because I'm doing it for a just cause, and that is someone's constitutional right. Yeah. So you saw some, you saw some really hardcore wrangling this session. Yes, on a number of issues, uh, but especially on the gun issue. Um, he really twisted arms and uh, threatened people. You look, you you don't have uh, Delegate Steve DeBoy in Baltimore County or Delegate Jim Malone running for re-election because they were considered more moderate Democrats. You know, mm-hmm. they're a little more to the middle, and they were going to support that constitutional right, and they were threatened. Um, they're tired of that. They're they're not going to run again. Also, this governor redrew their districts anyway because he felt they weren't being loyal enough, and so it's harder for them to win. You know, isn't that something? Yeah. That's something? Actually, actually, he re- he actually, actually, don't think he redrew them and it's going to help repro- Republicans. He tried. He redrew them to be more liberal. He hmm. wants loyalty. And uh, so that's, that's how the governor plays, uh, Governor Mark O'Malley. Wow. Uh, despite his, his very, uh, you know, he, he speaks as if he's, uh, you know, St. Saint, Saint Martin. You know, right. he speaks very gentle tones and really cares. And, but I got to tell you, he played dirty. He played real dirty. Yeah, because we're all suffering for it now. Yeah, we are. We are. Well, how can we help your campaign and help you and help ourselves? Spread the word. Get it out there. Go to VoteRonGeorge.com. Find out what's going on. Uh, letters to the editor. And please help us out um, any way you can financially. I think when people hear that campaigns cost millions and millions of dollars, they don't feel empowered anymore. They don't feel like giving the 10 or the $25. And if you go look at the big campaigns in the end, a lot of that, most of that was $25, $50, $25, $10 donations. The smaller donations help with the day-to-day, so you can keep the rest of it in there for the major projects. And uh, so it's really needed. Uh, go to the website, donate. Uh, let us know. Volunteer. Let us know what you can do to be involved. And uh, we need grassroots. I'm sitting in my office, campaign office right now, and I'm looking up at the wall. And we have all these counties up on the wall with lists of people that are our grassroots. I need that to grow even more. People would look at this and go, wow, you're talking about a huge statewide campaign here. I needed it to triple. So, you know, get involved. Let us know. And uh, and we're, we're going to use you. And your email? You need the ground game. My, pardon me? Your, your URL so people can find more information? It's VoteRonGeorge.com. We'll take you right there. We'll take you right there. So, 
And, uh, you know, we're going to build a new Maryland. I'm going to be a governor for everybody. We're going to build an economic base. We're going to build it across the state. We have different economic and educational plans for different areas of the state. No mandates from the state. We're going to respect local jurisdictions. Uh, but we're going to give state money in ways and regional ways that are going to help the special needs for those areas. It's not one-size-fits-all in economics or in education. We want to build a tax base in Baltimore, and that helps the other jurisdictions keep more of their money home. And uh, we're also going to have tax cuts, uh, and I'll do that also by doing independent uh, audits, independent audits of every agency and department. Uh, we've already found that they've been wasting the federal dollars. What makes you think they're spending the state dollars any better? And, uh, you know, I really think there's 4 to $5 billion in there uh, just in waste alone that we're going to expose. And when we expose that, we'll expose a lot of the corruption, too, that's going on. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I'm 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 serious about this. I'm serious about this. I'm, we're going to fix the state. I'm not going in there. I don't. I could care less about the governor's salary or anything like that. I could make more money if I stayed in my business. Mm. You know, I'm. I, I didn't aspire to this, but I'm. I promise everybody, I'm going to give a hundred percent. That's what I do. In my race against the Speaker of the House, and they came after me big time. George Soros and his right-handed person, Judd Legum from. Uh, the Think Progress blog, and, you know, they came after me big time, and I came in way in first. And I didn't run to the middle to do it. It's a majority Democratic district. I'm a Republican. I didn't run to the middle. I spoke to the middle. I spoke in ways people could understand. I know the issues. And I'm ready to go. We're going to give 100%. Uh, you know, people uh, are excited about it. I have to tell you, even even older people, I spoke at at Leisure World in Silver Spring, and they all signed up to volunteer. It was just great. Yeah, you that's know, cool. There's, there's an army for you. And then we've got young people. We've got these, gosh, these kids in high school are IT pros, and they're helping our campaign. Nice. Uh, we've got a lot of people involved, a lot of people, uh, and we are including everybody. We have an economic plan for Baltimore, but we have it for... Uh, Western Maryland, rural Maryland, Prince George's County, Montgomery County, different plans for each area uh, that's going to grow the middle class and uh, get people up out of this poverty, this increasing poverty and increasing uh, welfare uh, that's happening in this state. Brother Ron, thank you, man. That's motivating. I wish you well, and um, I'm hoping that you don't burn yourself out, man. <laughs> Listen, I, I I'm just trusting in the Lord, and I'm give 100. percent And uh, I got to tell you, a lot of people are praying, and doors just keep opening, and things are going well. And um, you know, I'll have no regrets. And uh, we actually things are lining up. Like I said, on the Republican side, we're leading in our in our poll, in the poll we just had done. And I'm leading in three out of four regions, and we're about to go into the other region more. And we have. Uh, we have a lot of people getting involved, but we need many more. So, And the other thing is that the other side's fighting. They're going to fight it out. They're going to duke it out. So just keep paying attention. Apathy will defeat us before you even get started. Mm. No apathy here. It's not in my dictionary, folks. You join this campaign, no apathy. Don't even listen to it out there. You've got to believe, and it can be done. That's can right. Be done. It it's an open seat. It was an open seat in 1994 when we believe Ellen Sauerbrey won. And it was an open seat in 2002 when Bob Ehrlich won. This is the only time since those two there's an open seat. People look openly at both candidates. They look a little more seriously at both candidates. And uh, we're going to make a difference. So, And, and no, no Republican has ever followed eight years of this, of this abuse of power. And uh, I think people are tired of it. So, True, true. We're going to fight back. 
All right, man. Good stuff. All right, Ken. All right, man. I'll be talking to you again. I'll I'll be getting an update in a a few weeks. Okay. All right. And then uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how the campaign is moving on, and we'll keep your name out there. All right, brother. And Ken, call me anytime. Oh, Please you got do. it, man. You uh, got it. Love talking to you, and uh, it's been a while. Take care now. All right. Crossbreedholsters.com. Often imitated, never duplicated. Handcrafted in the USA. Home of the lifetime warranty and a try-it-free guarantee. Crossbreedholsters.com. All right. Today is Halloween, October 31st, so... How about a scary story? It ain't real bad, so if you got kids in the car, it's all right. Uh, about 30 years ago, when I first came out of the Marine Corps, came back home, and my stepfather had left my mom, and he was living between different places and he said hey how about we get an apartment or a room or a house or something together and I thought wow this guy wasn't even close to growing up now treat me like a man that's kind of cool so we look for a house we look for an apartment we look to buy some stuff and end up he found a house that was already furnished in the northeast part of DC and uh, he said hey I just found another apartment so I'm going to take that and you can take this one it's really, really cheap. I think you can afford to rent with your new job. I said, yeah. My own house? Oh, sweet. It was like a two-bedroom. Had a front porch that overlooked the front street and uh, had a back porch and a basement and an attic and a little yard. And right behind the place was a huge uh, development, whole bunch of apartments, whole bunch of people. Not so nice part of town. But this house was like pristine for the most part. All the furniture was really old, though. And um, I thought, well, I'll just move the stuff I don't like down to the basement. And uh, me and my dog will be happy. Well, I found out that the house was actually owned by a mortician. And I found that out because down in the basement was the, the prep lab or the study or whatever he did prior to embalming and stuff. I mean, it was like like a doctor's lab down there almost, and a whole bunch of books. So I thought, or maybe he didn't have any bodies in here, but maybe he practiced on a cadaver or something. I don't know. But yeah, this is a true story. So um, I was working, new job, trying to make as much money as I could. I pulled a 16-hour shift one day, and it was a beast Federal law enforcement officer, I had changed a couple of tires. I was officer-friendly on steroids that day. I had jump-started some cars. Um, I had escorted some people. Uh, We had done a whole bunch of stuff that day. And by 11 o'clock, I was beat. I left my dog over at my mother's. So I thought, all right, I won't go get Zach now. Just leave him where he's at. And I'm going to sleep. Sorry. Pulled into the yard, did a quick search around, make sure I didn't have any broken windows and stuff because, again, it wasn't in a great neighborhood. I didn't want anybody to be in the house when I got there. But I thought I saw a shadow, so I did another walk around. And I said, all right, 
That was just my eyes because I'm tired. Went in the house and hit the lights. Looked at the dishes, washed them for a second. Said, yeah, man, get my clothes ready for tomorrow. I got another shift. I can get a good eight hours of sleep before I'm back at the job. Might try to do a double again. I don't know. My feet were killing me. My legs were so tired. My knees hurt. And back then I had a water bed. Big old sucker. Well, it was queen size. But it was so nice when you were tired. You could just get in that hot thing. It was like sleeping on a hot water bottle. And something told me to check the basement. So I went downstairs. And it just felt funny. It felt colder than usual. But that was it for autumn night. Closed the door. Took a hot shower. Crawled into bed. Oh, it felt good. Getting all into the big snuggly uh, comforter that I had. And then I heard a creak on the steps. I thought, all right, maybe it's just, you know, like a reflex, like after your house settles or something and you've been walking on something, so it kind of pops back into place. When you're sitting there and trying to think of all the stuff that's, it could be because there's no nobody in this place. This house is empty. And I'm closing my eyes and I'm just about to sleep and I hear the basement door open. Just a little. And I thought, no. Don't make me have to shoot somebody in my own house. So I looked over at the nightstand and I saw the trinium. It was glowing, so my gun was ready to go. I think I had a six-hour P226 at the time on a nightstand. It was just sitting there. And then I rolled over and looked at the door and could have swore I saw somebody standing there. Cold. Oh, man, that feeling just went down. But then just as quick as I saw it, it disappeared again. It was that shadow again I saw from outside. I said, all right, yeah, I'm tripping. It's close to Halloween. I'm... I'm tired. I'm seeing stuff in the dark. And I'm living on the main street, so there's sirens going by. There's cars and there's shadows from all the lights and the headlights going by. That makes some havoc on your eyes anyway. But a couple cars came down the street, and they lit up the whole front room, so I saw everything in there. There was nobody there. So I thought, all right, calm your nerves, Blanche. You can, you can do this. Go to sleep. I was just closing my eyes. I was just sinking into the waterbed. I was feeling that 80-some degree temperature in that bed. And then I felt the presence of somebody standing right next to me in the bed. Had my back to him. I was still facing the firearm. I thought, all right, I'll just make a giant reach. I reach over, and shame on you for being there. You're about to get shot with some 9mm hollow tips, or hollow points, and a silver tip, and it's all over but the crying. Just then, I thought, you know what? If you're a ghost, if you're a spirit, and you were here long before I was, can't we just get along? Can't we coexist? Why don't you just go on and do what you do? If you're going to hurt me, go on with it. I am too tired to fight you, and if you're not, and you seek to do me harm, I'll take the first hit, but I'm not going to quit until I take you out. I'm saying this out loud, right? 
I heard the door creak. And I thought I heard steps going right back downstairs. And from that point on, I just assumed that I had company all the time. Truth. And when I finally decided to move out of there, there was this one piece of uh, furniture that I liked. It was like an armoire, one of those combination wardrobe things, really antique. Remember my stepdad, we loaded that thing into the van and it was a hard, I mean, the truck, it was hard to get it in there. And it's like it didn't want to leave. And finally, when we pulled out of the driveway and we're heading to my new place where I was going to buy, you know that Omar jumped straight out of the back of the truck and landed on his crazy little lion feet it had and just stood there in the street. <laughs> it should have smashed up. It just should have fell out, crashed. But it jumped straight up and landed in front of the house. So me and my dad pulled over, grabbed it, and set it on the curb in front of the house, got back in the truck, and left it there. Happy Halloween. black man with a gun. Hey! When colder weather rolls in, it's time to attach a holster to my belt under a jacket. Also, I switch from a smaller carry gun to a more robust one. And this year, I've chosen to train with and carry Walther's newly released PPQ M2 in 40 caliber with a 4.1 inch barrel. If you are a James Bond fan, you'll know that he carries a Walther PPK in a shoulder holster in several of the movies. In fact, he ditched his lady gun, a 25 Beretta Auto, in the movie Dr. No, and he began trusting a Walther PPK in 32 ACP. However, Bond has shown the love to several gun manufacturers like Walther, Colt, Smith & Wesson, and of course Beretta. The PPQM2 is a cousin to the Bond family of defense guns in the family of P99s, but intentionally designed for the carry market and for those of us who like some of Glock's features but might prefer a smoother trigger and a slimmer grip. A redesign of the original PPQ, which featured a two-sided paddle on the bottom of the trigger guard as its release, the new magazine release on the polymer-framed Strikerfire PPQM2 appears in a standard side location on both sides of the gun. Yes, it's for ambidextrous use, so lefties of the world rejoice. You can thank Walther for this move. It kept the takedown system and bilateral slide lock of the P99. The gun is chambered in 9mm and 40 Smith & Wesson. It comes with a low-profile, three-dot polymer combat sight that looks very clear, even on a black target. You can drift the rear sight for windage, and you can change the front sight, available as an accessory item at Walther's website. A tenifer-coated slide and barrel means the gun will resist scuffs, fatigue, and corrosion. A case-hardening process, Glock also uses tenifer coating on its barrels and slides. For me, this is a critical component for a carry gun, even during winter months, because it will be against my body, which occasionally glows or glistens. The grip is what initially sold me on this gun, though, at a trade show. 
As Walther reports, if a Walther is a sports car, the grip is the steering wheel, and the grip's shape, a bit more tapered, angled, and slimmer than a Glock's grip, fits my hand, and it comes with three interchangeable grip pieces so that it'll probably fit your hand too. Also, it is built with a non-slip, cross-directional grip surface, which offers better control. Front and rear slide serrations make this gun easy to rack back, and with two drop safeties and a firing pin block, that means there are three safety components. The trigger, it's smooth and it's fast. With a 5.6 pound trigger, a short 0.4 inch trigger travel and 0.1 inch trigger reset, this trigger allows me to shoot after recoil from the first shot when I'm right back on target with no waiting and no drag. Do you want to mount a flashlight or a laser? No problem. It comes with a Picatinny custom accessory rail on its dust cover just for this purpose. For competition shooters, and especially you want to look at the 9mm for this task, it comes with a checkered trigger guard for tactical two-handed grip stance, and it comes with two metal magazines that in the 40 hold 11 rounds, and you may purchase plus two magazines that also provide an extension on that grip. If the chamber is loaded, you can see a red-colored marking on the right side of the slide when the rear of the extractor is recessed. Now, after cleaning my new PPQ M2 after taking it out of the box, I then took it to the range, and I shot pretty tight groups for me on target immediately, just at 10 yards, 15, and then 25. Since that first time at the range, I've been out again setting up drills for concealed carry scenarios like shooting multiple targets and moving moving with my gun. And I began to then carry this gun comfortably. I chose a Blade Tech holster, and also over at Flashbang Holsters, I chose the Sophia, which is a minimalist holster. It's a slide holster, and it's in the line of pinup girls from Flashbang Holsters. I also feel comfortable if I'm jogging on country roads wearing a pistol wear holster, and that's made for active carry. Now just a note about the cleaning. It reminds me of cleaning my Glock. It's an easy disassembly process, and it doesn't involve multiple parts. So, so far, after a few hundred uh, rounds through this gun, I have not seen any wear on it at all and I'm shooting reloads for training, and I carry Winchester PDX for real and for concealed carry. Now for me, after training with a gun, I want to feel the confidence that comes with knowing if I should have to pull it and, God forbid, use it, I can trust it to hit the target. And I feel I can trust the Walther PPQ M2. It retails for about $600. You can learn more about the Walther PPQ M2 by visiting waltherarms.com. And if you want to know why women carry guns, what they carry, how they carry, check out womensoutdoornews.com. And thank you, Ken. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, what was that? Oh, never mind. We good. Next up, Herschel Stroud from dccoversense.com. Hunting season is in effect. How you making out so far? I saw a couple of really cool pictures on Facebook and folks got turkeys already and their deer tags already and y'all doing it up. What you got, Hirsch? Man, it's bow season. What What are you using? Um, right now, I have a Horton crossbow. Some people don't like crossbows. Some people are really into compound, and some of the old-timers are really into recurve bows. My two boys, one of my sons is a crossbow hunter. My other son is a compound. He is big 
on, you know, we're moving him into a Hoyt, but he likes Botech. Um, there's Matthew, but myself personally, I'm a I'm a crossbow fan. I'm right now getting ready to <clears throat> in the next coming days buy me some new X bolts for it and some new heads for it. But yes, I just I was just at the range this past Friday. Yes, and I do we do I always suggest that with anything you do, be safe with it. Spend time, you know, sighting it in, you know, get it out to the range, crossbows, because they shoot hard just like a compound does. So practice with them. Make sure you sight them in. Make sure you have the right arrow selection for you if you want a fixed or a mechanical, you know, your shafts, your fletchings. You know, you have to just take time and research because there are a lot of different products on the market. But right now, I'm just rocking a Horton, just a camouflage painted crossbow, looking at getting some um, Carbon Express uh, arrows, and I'm looking at putting on some NAP uh, Spitfire Maxes, uh, mechanicals, uh, inch and a quarter uh, diameter cut. So that's kind of... What I'm getting ready to take out into the field with me, man, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a good hunt, you know. Just in just a regular, I'm just using a Nikon laser rangefinder for my field, but yeah, and I'm putting some some luminox on it so I can see them when they deploy, and they and I, you know go to harvest the deer, I can go find and retrieve it because you're at about ten dollars per you know every arrowhead and about ten dollars for the shaft itself, so. You know, you want to be able to go find it or just let $20 go fly through the woods. And if you've got the type of money to spend, have at it. But make sure you can retrieve your arrows once you once you let them fly down range. But, yes, I'm just I'm just an old guy, man. So I like I like crossbows. I'm not really big on some of the compounds. You know, my son, some of, some people have them, but they have them juiced all up to 80, 90 pounds. But legal law for here in Alabama hunting with a bow is 35 pounds you know so i figure if you can draw a bow back at 50 60 pounds that's going to be a humane harvest when you hit that deer with it and my crossbow was is set at almost 300 300 feet per second it's a, it's a good draw pound on it um so you know that's kind of what i that's just what i use i'm just using a crossbow you know looking to get a couple of harvests in and get on the board before the rest of my team members and before we go into rifle season, which starts, uh, I think it is November 16th here in Alabama. So I'm just, like I said, using a crossbow, looking for some brand new bows to put on and some new arrowheads because um, I had some other ones on there last season. So just looking to change up and switch it up a little bit. But October 15th is it's the magic day for me, man, and I'm um yeah, I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my crossbow out and get some get some blood on it and put some meat in the freezer, you know, and, and just have some fun and just spend some time outside. So that's that's that kind of sums up my bow. What I'm using for my bow for the bow season this year. What what distance are you shooting with the, with the crossbow? Um, on my Ideally. crossbow, you can shoot up comfortably. I can get to about fifty yards, but anything I usually try to stay at about thirty five yards, twenty five to thirty five yards is a good distance because you know when you pull a crossbow back i don't know if you've ever pulled one back but when you pull it back and you lock it when it flies i mean it has a good flight rate i mean it's it's pretty speedy and they get down range quite a ways but i don't take you know i know some cats that will push it to 50 and that's okay if you practice at 50 i practice at about 40 to 45 yards and i try to stay consistent at that range and then i know if i can hit if i can hit an animal you know a target or a block um, set for 40, 45 yards, and I can definitely do it in 35 yards when I put the pin on it, you know, but mine has a red dot scope on it, so 
I do it that way. Once I put that dot on you and I'm looking at you, next thing I always say is once I see him in the scope, I got you. Right, right. Let the arrows, you know, let the arrow fly straight. That's it. You know, and then, you know, there you give it time to run off the field with a definite goal on. Give him some time to run off the field and give him some time to expire so you don't chase him and continue to have him running, you know, through the woods and chasing him off. So we give him a couple of minutes to go ahead and expire, and then we go and take him up, throw him on ATV, go get him hooked up. Wow. What's the terrain like in Alabama? Is it hilly or flat? Um, Both. It's hilly and it's flat. It's very sandy. It just depends on what your property is. Ours is, you know, we have red roads. You know, we have red sandy clay on our, and we have two di- different distinct sides of property. But it's very uneven, very rocky, um, especially because, you know, we have a, our road is a logger road, which hauls, you know, pine trees down the road. So they've come down the road, and then the rain has washed a great bit of the road out. So you have quite a few cabins and holes so when you're riding on your ATV, which will probably just be another talk for another day, just ATV riding and just safety on that, getting to your stand and from your stand would be a whole nother just topic. But it is, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting terrain. It, it, it changes quite a bit. It, it just depends on what part of the state you're in. Some of them are flat, but most of most, most hunting properties, if, if it's like mine, it, it changes. You got, you know, just some devil rock roads and then you just have some all sandy red roads. So it just, you know, some are hilly. Ours is pretty hilly on some parts, you know, and it's kind of hilly getting up to them, but it's, um, it's just average. It's just nothing extraordinary. It's not, it's not Wyoming, you know, type territory or Colorado type territory, but it's a, it's its own unique challenge. But we, we, you know, we live for it. We get it done. And most of your stuff is pine. You're in a pine forest. Oh, yeah. We definitely have pine trees. And that's a lot of times that's where your deer will bed up in what is known as pine thickets. You know, and they're just, just, just a season of just pine trees. We have oak trees here and cedar trees. But, you know, pine is a really big, big tree here. It's a big industry. You know, um, a lot of people have tin pine on their property that they have cut, you know, and they sell timber trees, you know, they sell timber here. So we have quite a few pine trees, you know, we don't hang stands on them. We don't attach anything to them. We just use them and love the natural scent that they give off, which is why we create a product called pine. You know, gotcha. the first thing the original name was, was it was called pine thicket, which is an actual term that most people who hunt are in the hunting world, the honey family will understand that that term called pine thick, but we just call it just just pine. Gotcha. Oh man, I always learn something when I talk to you. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a great sport and a hobby to be in, man. It's good to be able to take your kids, you know, because like I always say, I mean, we have so many things here for children to be distracted with between MTV and video games, and everything has its proper place. But I always say to people who I know, if you can keep your kids in the woods and you can keep them on the water, you keep them out of trouble. And that's the most important thing that a lot of people just in our culture, just period. If you want to, you want to be able to spend that type of time. I'm getting ready to look forward to taking my youngest son, who's big, as, as, as tall as I am. He's going on his his last youth hunt this year, which would be, I think it's November. I want to say it's the weekend of the 10th. Um, he's going on his last youth hunt, and that'll be the last time he's able to go as a child until he has to get his his license to go hunt here. But any time you get to spend time with your children in the woods and sit and have 
just those great talks, you know, and the ones that are, you know, just about real, real life and real, real issues that are important to him, you know, and important to you as well. It's just time. It's just time really well spent. I would recommend anybody, take a kid, take a nephew, take a niece, you know, take them to the woods and teach them about what is about life outside and just have some good, quiet time and, you know, cut out all the noise, cut the phones off, cut the, you know, cut the video games off, you know, and just have a real conversation, just you two, just, and just, you know, just, just being comfortable outside, listening to squirrels running around or the armadillos or rabbits or raccoons and just being able to just talk and get to know each other at that level because there's so much noise and our children are being just bombarded with just media as well as us, just every day, you know, this, that, buy this, buy this, buy this, but you can't spend enough money, you know, in the woods. You know, Wi-Fi don't work out in the woods. So, <laughs> right. you know, it just gives you time to just spend some great quality time with a child and just get to know them on a level that's totally different. It, it is an experience that when you share that with a child and your child harvests their first animal, that is a memory that is set for life, that no amount of money, will ever be able to replace. So, you know, it's, it's what I look forward to. I look forward to getting out, you know, this far with, with both my sons. My oldest boy, he is a big rifle hunter, and he's looking forward to going when it gets really cold here because that's when our bucks start to run and go into what's known as the rut after Christmas here in Alabama. So that's when the buck, anytime I spend outside with my sons, even when they go plant with me, you know, I take them out, I let them plant. I let them walk the fields, I let them sweat, get good and sweaty, you know, let them put their hands on their property so they know what's going on in their woods and what should be in their woods and what shouldn't be in their woods. And, you know, anytime you can stand in the woods with your children, you know, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, a neighbor, some child that you know needs some guidance, you know, and, and some discipline, you know, being in the woods with a live rifle or a bow will definitely teach them you know, how to be responsible for oneself. So I, I highly recommend just getting a kid out there and it does it does good for your heart to be able to see how a child sees the woods through their eyes. And it helps you to stay young, you know, at heart and remember what it was like, you know, and wish you maybe had a mentor when you were younger to take you out to some place that's foreign because most of our children come from what is known as concrete jungles. So to get them out into something as natural and beautiful as the woods and watch a turkey, you know, fly down, you know, or just to see a live hog or to see a live wild animal and not have seen it on TV but see a live in a person, it could pretty much change their life. So you want to be able to instill good values. So that's what the way that's what they do, man. So that's what I do. As I said again, it's what I live for. It's what I look forward to every year and um that's where that that's where I'm at now. So I got two they be getting out pretty soon and you know, and then I have some time to myself to kind of sit and just thank the good Lord for everything he's blessed us with and and just and just really just have at it. Just have good, at it. Good stuff, man. How how can folks contact you? Oh, they can catch up with me. You know, like I said, we do have a Facebook page and we do have a Twitter page. You know, if you type in a Facebook DC cover cover sin or if you uh try to find us up on Twitter at, you know, DC cover sin, but definitely triple W DC cover dot com. All right, Herschel. Thank you, man. Talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This portion of the show has been sponsored by ErgoGrips.net. Small arms accessories built for high performance and control. Shooter focused. ErgoGrips.net. All right, on that long drive back home from the range, all my new friends down at ITI and my bestest new friend, I realized that 
Some people don't know that answer to that great old question, what are you going to be when you grow up? If you know the answer, you have an advantage. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. I think uh, George Harrison had a song like that. We all have a finite amount of time to live. In that space, we are supposed to love, learn, fail, fall down, get back up, rinse, and repeat. I was just called a renaissance man the other day, and this time it was from my guitar teacher who I hadn't seen in about 20 years, but I'm trying to get a little better at my craft here so that I can accomplish something. And I think it really means a man who has a broad intellectual interest and is accomplished in areas of both the arts and the sciences. And I've been called that before, but I think what it really means is, dude, you're still alive, but you haven't mastered any one thing. You know, I've had points in my life where I've mastered what I was aiming at, but I shot too low. My goals weren't high enough to achieve anything of significance. Maybe you've been there too. We all started off like that, actually. Remember when all you want to do is pass that big test in school, drive a car, kiss that girl? Well, then it was like, I want to be legal at whatever that meant to you. I have been the best of my group at certain things, but it was all still too trivial in hindsight. I think the top three mistakes too many of us make first is not seeing good or not setting good goals. The second would be the settling for whatever comes. We are quick to do that. Now, nah, this is good enough. And finally, that we sell ourselves too short. I am the king of that. You know, we are all capable of much more than we produce. If you want to change your situation, you have to ask yourself some hard questions and then answer them. Like, what and where are you now? Where do you want to be in a year, three years, or five? Same question they ask you at job interviews. And what do you need to do to get there? Once you do that, it's on you. Don't fall into the trap that so many of us do of living for somebody else. Mama wants me to be a doctor. Daddy wants me to be a preacher. What do you want to be? Don't borrow somebody else's dreams. Don't settle for what comes easy either. Don't stop or quit just because what you want to do is not done in your neighborhood. When I go fishing, if the fish aren't biting where I am, guess what? I move. And you might have to, too. You'll have a hard time being a marine biologist like Jacques Cousteau in the city. You might have to move closer to the water. I'm just saying. You might have a hard time learning to speak a foreign language if there are no native speakers around you. Too many of us just sit and spin our wheels. We sit and play games. We sit and waste the valuable time that God gave us. That giant hourglass from the Wizard of Oz, that bad boy is not stopping. So watching other people play, watching life pass you by, is not a good thing. Now, I know it's dangerous to move outside of your comfort zone, but you won't grow if you stay in the same zone. It's like being a, a fish in a fish tank. You won't grow bigger than your tank. You want to get to the open water, believe me. I know people that never left their hometowns, and you can tell by the way they talk. They talk about each other, and stuff that of no consequence. They get mad real quick, too. Talk about people rather than ideas and places. You know what? We all have a choice. 
What do you choose to do with your life or what's left of it? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be when you grow up? And then to quote Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption, he says, the way I see it read is like you said, get busy living or get busy dying. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for rolling with a brother. If you want to contact me, my voicemail is 888-675-0202. My email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. The show notes and all media links can be found on blackmanwithagun.com. Check out the affiliates, the blog, and sign up on the contact list that I have there. If you like what you heard, please tell somebody. And until we meet again, Shalom, baby. Ha 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 